revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. Welcome to Medicine on Call, where it's all about living the solutions. Today I have a colleague on who I respect greatly, and I met at a, again, these conferences I go to are just awesome, because these people, that are, folks that I'm meeting are the best kept secret. They have a lot to offer, and Dr. Weeks, Dr. Bradford Weeks is my guest today. He is a physician after my own heart, somebody who loves what he does, who hasn't let the system ruin him, who hasn't cowed to following things by algorithms, and actually still wants to help his patients, uh, I guess practicing medicine the old-fashioned way, I guess that's the best way to put it. I think we can start off by giving us a little bit about how your practice and how you got started in medicine, because I think that's very interesting. Uh, Elia, what a great introduction. Thank you. Um, I'm one of those medical doctors who uh, studied medicine without ever prior wanting to or being interested in. I kind of was backed into medicine. I started out in banking. I was a businessman. Um, but I learned through a kinesiology course I took as a hobby. I was an athlete growing up. I played American football, ice hockey, and lacrosse at, at Dartmouth uh, College. I was a lacrosse player and a ski jumper, so I was very active. Um, but I never, nobody ever introduced me to what's called the user's manual of the body. I knew how to use my body. But I didn't really even know the heart was on the right-hand side. I didn't know anything about health. But I ran into a kinesiology professor and introduced me to medicine. So at age 28, I changed courses, and I was the guy sitting in the front row of medical school loving it. And I'm sure you experienced this, too, Mm because it's a fascinating training. Mm -hmm. But I hadn't been doing, you know, 15 years of pre-med beforehand, so I was just enjoying it. I was the oldest guy in class. And I uh, had a great relationship with the professors. I went to the University of Vermont Medical School. And before that, I had uh, done my undergraduate work at Dartmouth College in New England. And then I did two years of research at Massachusetts General Hospital in mineral metabolism. I had the chance to work with a very famous doctor, Michael Hollick, Mr. Vitamin D. I was his assistant in the lab. And so I, I'm really kind of a, a scientifically oriented medical doctor, which is why and I think your listeners will understand this, ended up in integrative or holistic medicine. And um, the interesting question which I want all of people listening to pay attention to is, you have to wonder, who is your medical doctor? Is she or he someone who thinks and is interested in solving problems, or is she or he someone who simply is like a foot soldier and is told what to know and what to regurgitate. And Elena, you and I know that there are PhDs in the world who are kind of curious problem solvers, but most of the medical doctors you and I run into, they're certainly well-intended, they mean well, but they're not curious thinkers. And we see this all the time because, Elena, your patients will go back to their doctor and the doctor will say something like, well, you're obviously much better. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Mm-hmm. But then your patient will say to the doctor, well, Dr. Smith, would you like to know what I'm doing? He says, nope, nope, just keep doing it. Right? I mean, exactly. How many times have you and I had that experience? <laughs> it's like how in the world can someone who is a medical doctor not be curious about something which is working better than their conventional allopathic protocol? Why wouldn't that doctor say, my God, you're so much better than I expected. You're doing something different. What are you doing? I want to know so I can help everybody. But instead, and we'll get to this in more detail, there is something called the tyranny of the standard of care. Mm-hmm. And medicine, your listeners need to know that their doctors have their hands tied because in medicine, unlike any other field I know, you can get a bad result following the correct protocol and be praised or you can get a good result following a unusual protocol and get your license taken away. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make any sense, does it? But you and I are fortunate because probably from your mentors and my mentors, we found some people 
who were really trying to correct the problem. So I call my practice corrective medicine and psychiatry. It derives from the word orthomolecular, ortho meaning correct, molecule meaning molecular. This is the orthomolecular field of medicine and psychiatry was founded by Abram Hoffer up in British Columbia and his good friend Linus Pauling, of course, the two-time Nobel laureate who coined the phrase orthomolecular, meaning correct molecule. And what a good medical doctor will do is will use medications only temporarily in order to kind of stabilize things while she or he then looks to the cause of the problem. Medicines typically address symptoms. It's nice to get the symptoms under control, but if all you do is just use synthetic patented medications, you're not going to address the cause. And that's where corrective medicine or integrative medicine has the trump hand because we're able to really address the causes, correct the causes, and then medicines become redundant and they become obsolete. I think you've, you've actually hit on a really important topic that I don't think patients know much about. We talk about integrative versus uh, conventional medicine, but you've hit on, on, a, on a topic that is really key. There is actually a force that seems to be Maybe it's the pharmaceutical lobby, I'm not sure. But it's an actual force against doctors moving in this direction. And it seems that they go after your license, they go after your reputation, and there's been a lot of stories out there about doctors actually losing their lives, trying to practice medicine in a way that, you know, there's enough for everybody. I think it should be choice. If you want to do standard medicine, then you should have that option. If you don't want to take a medication, you want to try to do it holistically from a cellular level, then you should be allowed to do that. And it doesn't seem like they want, of many things in our society these days, they don't want you to have a choice. They want you to do it one way. And if there's any opposition, they want to get rid of it. Are you seeing that from your colleagues who may be curious about what you're doing, but if, but they've been indoctrinated, if you want to put it that way, not to go down that path? Well, you know... It's your term indoctrinated is unfortunately the accurate term. You know, science is not a matter of consensus or majority rule. Anybody who studies the history of science knows that Galileo was right and everyone else was wrong. So just because most doctors recommend this mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's the best thing. Majority or consensus has no significance in a scientific process. And what's particularly interesting is that um, how does a medical doctor get told that this specific treatment would be the standard of care? And I, I mentioned the tyranny of standard of care. This is an important concept because um, you and I know this from being scientists and clinicians, but most patients think that the standard of care is somehow good. That's a good but point. Here's what's fascinating. And I learned this because I got very involved with um, human growth hormone, which I consider a very valuable and beneficial agent. And it turns out that the standard of care is delivered to the doctor in the trenches by the thought leaders. If I'm an endocrinologist, there will be an American Academy of Endocrinology, and they meet on a yearly basis, and the leaders will say, hey, we've put our heads together. We consider the following things to be the best practices for diabetes and the following things to be the best practices for scleroderma and the following things to be the best practices for arthritis or something. Mm -hmm. Now, they can't say this is the standard of care because nobody can actually dictate the standard of care because people understand that it's a shifting, uh, it's a shifting meter because of scientific progress but they can say best practices, but they specifically say this is not to be construed as the standard of care. They don't presume, this is the most august bodies in every specialty, they don't presume to dictate the standard of care. They just say best practices. But here's the question, and this is going to shock your listeners, and I have this on very good authority, that the thought leaders, for example, the, the presidents of the of the cardiology society or the presidents of the endocrinology society who have these yearly meetings and disseminate their best practices. Here's the question. How do they determine best practices? It's going to shock the listener 
but it's not from science. It's really from what the insurance companies and big pharma who have these thought leaders on their payrolls. And you can't go, you can't go to any university and any premier researcher. They're being paid by big pharma. These people get their marching orders from corporate interests, big pharma and insurance, and they say to these thought leaders, in the coming year, this is what we, from a business model, have determined will be reimbursable. Mm. It has nothing to do with the most most recent science shows that this is the best treatment. No. It's, this is what we're going to pay for, guys. So you better tell the rank and file that if they want to keep the business of medicine going, they better do these treatments, and anything else won't be reimbursed. That's incredible. So, so, so the simple, simple kind of first kind of shocking statement, and please don't take my word for this. Everyone who wants to reach me, it's simply M- MD for medical doctor, MD at weeks, my last name, MD.com. I'm happy to substantiate all this, MD at weeks, MD.com. But the standard of care, what your life is being treated with, is from a business financial decision and often ignores best science. I mean, I totally agree with you, especially when you think about all of these medications that have been approved and end up in a class action suit. And no one really does. Basically, the the science is being underwritten by the same pharmaceutical companies that are putting the product out. That is a complete conflict of interest, isn't it? Oh, it certainly is, yeah. And then they have the nerve to tell us that we should follow a best practices are evidence-based medicine, but the evidence that they use is basically pretty skewed because it doesn't take in, let's say if you had a a research um, study going, not everybody's represented. Black people may not be, women may not be, children may not be, and they extrapolate all of these different groups into one standard of care. That's why things basically don't work. I actually went to a, a, a talk, it must be five or six years ago, one of the pharmaceutical uh, administrators up higher up said, only 10% of our products work 10% of the time. Well, that's most of the time it doesn't work, right? But they're yep. actually making us write prescriptions and they're monitoring us and they're now paying us based on the, quote, standard of care. It's a complete the structure is skewed, but the doctor is always the, the workhorse, the donkey. That, that pulls this whole system, this system forward. It's really unbelievable. Well, and, you know, you and I, you and I are trying to get important information out to people. It'll be controversial. There'll be some questions. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy that, given your experience, your excellent training, and mine, that we can kind of at least raise some questions for your listeners. And the first question is, who is your doctor working for? Before we got on the air, we talked about the problems with dealing with insurance companies, but I've never taken insurance. I've always been a a fee-for-service doctor because I want to work exclusively for my patient. And what's important, Lane, is if 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 your listeners ask, who does my doctor work for? The answer is your doctor works for the person who pays him Mm, or her. And that's the insurance company. And who do they work on? They work on you the listener to this show, mm-hmm. but they work for someone else. That is a bad situation for the listener to be in if their life's on the line. You want the doctor to work for you. Now, the doctor is going to try to, you know, do the best they can for you, but he or she is not going to lose their license and go against the standard of care and buck the insurance companies on your behalf. That's a very good just point. going to happen. That's an excellent point. There's so many conflict of interest set up in this system and sticks it's not like you can freely do what you like with your patient. Someone's coming after you, whether that's um, the peer review folks, if it's the maintenance of certification people. It's all sorts of things that are, I think, actually set up to make you go through these mazes so that you can do what you're told, not not ask questions, be so put upon and beaten down that you literally just do what you're told and not question it as a physician. And I would say, if you really want to be honest, it's the patient too. They're getting bombarded with commercials on TV about what you should ask your doctor 
you know, you should go in and just ask for this medication. Don't ask about the side effects or what else it can do to you. You just need this. Yeah. So they're hitting both ends very, very hard, aren't they? And, and we're the only, to my knowledge, we're the only uh, industrialized nation that allows direct advertising like that to the people. Exactly. I could be wrong, but I think it's there's New Zealand does too, I believe. There's like one other country, and that's it. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Well, the the other thing is, let, let's go back to you know, who does who does the doctor work for? The doctor doesn't work for the patient anymore in America, unless it's a fee for service practice. And and I have I have. Um, uh, especially wives of doctors, when they come, they say, is it true you don't take insurance? And I say, that's correct. And they say, great, that means you work for me, right? Wow. And I said, that's right. But but that's important. And especially when you get into, um, I say, over your head, when you get into an institution like a hospital, it's very, very, you know, it's very apparent. One of my, one of my, um, one of my uh, people I'm working with had an MRI done on, on the, uh, on the back it was eight thousand mm. dollars. Well, of course, you know um, the the insurance company or somebody can negotiate that down to like a thousand. But it, it's 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 an extraordinary thing how hurt financially patients can be with this system, which is not out to serve them. They're kind of the grist for the mill, you mm-hmm. know. They're kind of the uh, the reason why the whole machine, the whole medical industrial complex can keep going. We really deserve a much better way. We, we patients uh, should get a much better deal than we get here, and it's extraordinary that we're kind of lamb to the slaughter and we just let that happen. I absolutely agree. Now, I want to actually segue now into to some real, you know, real, or real world examples of how we're being driven in this system. And we're going to take a small break and come back, but I would be curious to pick up with what do you think about all these chronic diseases and the fact that the medication just seems not to be working. So let's take a small break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. If you've tried taking over-the-counter medications, but still have problems with nasal congestion, recurrent sinus infections, sinus headaches, or a dry mouth when you wake up in the morning, why not fix the problem? From natural integrative treatment to minimally invasive surgery, Peachtree ENT Center will work with you to find the solution that works best for you. Call 404-591-9100 today to make an appointment or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're having a really important conversation with Dr. Bradford Weeks, a doctor who is a a doctor who thinks outside the box and actually practices medicine using the Hippocratic Oath, which is to do no harm and to be an advocate for his, his patient. That's the kind of physician that everybody should want to see. And before the break, we were talking about how the structure of the big pharma is set up and how it encroaches on the doctor-patient relationship and choice for doctors and patients. I'm seeing an explosion. I'm sure you are too, and that's why one of the reasons I wanted to have you on my show I have friends now who have autoimmune diseases who've just been diagnosed, and they're now being put on, and you know these these immunosuppressants. And there is no talk about changing their diet. There is no talk of cause. It's just, oh, you have this. Let's just medicate you. What are you seeing in terms of the explosion in chronic diseases like you know diabetes, high blood pressure, and now the autoimmune phenomenon? Boy, it is so, so sad to me what's happening. Um, but if you just look at the statistics, I think a quarter, and I'm not, I'm not clear on these statistics because you never know where they're coming from, but I was told that a quarter of American kids under the age of 10 have asthma now. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's too much, but it's kind of close to that. And it's totally treatable with diet in the most part. It's an inflammatory process. We have some excellent protocols, which basically are money-back guarantees. Um, but just asthma, 
is life-threatening and it's inexcusable. Food allergies are rampant. Chemical sensitivities, glyphosate in the food. I mean, I'm not telling any of your listeners anything new here. Mm-hmm. It's kind of astonishing. But, you know, the big white elephant in the room has to be vaccinations. And there's a very, very vocal outcry against forced vaccinations, California and so forth. And now the World Health Organization is calling failure to vaccinate one of the main health risks of 2019. That's totally unsubstantiated in science. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that um, it's, it's a hot topic. But just let me say that if you do careful research, you will see that the risks of vaccines, in my opinion, outweigh the benefits of vaccines. And they create a chronic, low-grade, inflammatory, compromised, irritated immune system, which I think is behind the fact that we are one of the sickest nations on earth now. I have to agree with you. And and I want to tease that out a little bit. Everybody uses the catch-all of vaccinations. It's not the process, in my opinion, of vaccinations. It's what's in the vaccination, what the adjuvant is, the additive to try to ramp up the immune response. That's what I'm seeing as the thing that we really, really need to concentrate on instead of the social side of it, which is demonizing people for having a question. And there's nothing wrong with asking questions. If you have, so you're putting something in your body, there's nothing wrong to ask, what is it? And what could it possibly do to me? There's actually a, a movie that I started watching. I think it was on Amazon. And they talked about uh, basically an immune response based on getting immunization. I believe it was the thimerosal, the mercury in it. Like you can cause a, an inflammation of the muscle. So it just, it's a tiny amount, but it just becomes this cascade of inflammation and chronic pain, like a fibromyalgia type of situation where people are wanting to kill themselves basically because they can't get rid of the pain. And everybody's chemically different, right? So what may be benign to somebody may not be to another, like, you know, electromagnetic radiation, you know, your cell phone, Wi-Fi. Some people really get sick from that. Others don't. What's your take on, on the adjuvant side of it? Do you think it's the adjuvants that are, that are to blame? Well, I, I certainly do, in part. There's a, lot, there's a lot wrong with vaccines. None of us, none of us scientists and clinicians are against vaccines. Mm-hmm. We're interested and we want to support healthy vaccines, scientifically proven vaccines that actually benefit you. There's a lot of there's a lot of myth out there. There's a lot of dogma. There's a lot of um, deplatforming people on Facebook who are talking about uh, risks of vaccines. It's not a scientific discussion. And you, your listeners would want to know that most vaccines are not prepared in a way which is safe, mm-hmm. meaning they are they are given to the public after sometimes less than five days of study, five days, not weeks or years. You can't get a new drug to market past the FDA without years of studies. We're talking about oftentimes a vaccine is given to infants in a test situation, and if they're alive and doing okay, five days later, it's considered safe. If they get sick six days later, it's still considered safe and unrelated. It's bad science. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a mockery of science where the vaccines are tested for safety. And oftentimes there's no placebo to compare the vaccine with because the vaccines are not considered a drug procedure, kind of a public health resource. So they're excused from rigorous scientific uh, uh, testing. But um, Elena, I'm, I'm 62 now and uh, I had three vaccines when I was a kid. Today, you can't get to be seven years old without about 50 vaccines. It's astonishing that the American public accepts it with such poor science and such rabid uh, ad hominem attacks against people who want to have this discussion. You and I know that doctors get their licenses mm-hmm. taken away if they're anti-vaccine. And it's, it's not a rational discussion. It's like you must be a bad person if you disagree with us. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. And that's culturally what seems to be going on. You shut out any criticism or any questioning by demonizing the person. On that thought, let's take a break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. Affordable 
health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out of pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. Before the break, Dr. Weeks and I were trying to really educate people on the, the problems with vaccines. And I think you were really quite clear that it's about the science of it. There really isn't a lot of it. Theoretically, you understand how it would work, but what's going in there is a question mark. And we talked about some of the adjuvants, but they put a lot of things in like fetal tissue and viruses from other species. And, you know, what do you put in your system? You are what you have in your system. You are what you eat. You are what you inject. And I don't know how that works from a, from a DNA level. Once you've injected something and it's incorporated into the cellular structure, DNA-wise, it's there. You're going to pass that genetically to your offspring. Is that a fair way to think about it? You know, it's absolutely right. In fact, there's a little-known science now called transgenetics, but your listeners could Google this, transgenetics. And this is important because what it means is that when you eat a piece of fish, for example, you'll absorb some protein and maybe some oil and maybe a little carbohydrates, macronutrients like selenium and copper and zinc, and you might get some mercury if there's toxicity in the fish. You get, you get stuff which you absorb. But in addition, you also absorb genetic material. That's part of what we absorb and assimilate. And that genetic material that we absorb from the salmon or from the carrot, we use to kind of buff up our own DNA. They're like genetic spare parts. We're not just looking for proteins and oils and carbohydrates in food for genetic spare parts. That's why GMO, genetically modified foods, are a terrible idea for human health. And what happens with the vaccines is those DNA fragments from fetal tissue and other things, they get incorporated in the DNA as well. And that, that is screwing with Mother Nature in a most fundamental way. It is not wise, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's not. Now, now, you mentioned adjuvants. Just what the word means, it's a booster. What The thing is, your listeners should know that when you get a vaccine, you're trying to get the immune system to recognize the antigen or the insulting agent so it can mobilize a host of immune responses if it ever sees that insulting agent again, whether it's chicken pox or whatever else. In order to really get the immune system pissed off, to kick the hornet's nest, so to speak, the vaccine makers add adjuvants, which are highly irritating, caustic, inflammatory, aggravating substances, which really screw up the immune system and make it furious to start attacking. So adjuvants are like augmenting agents, which the vaccines require. It's a bad design. I would agree. I mean... Just think about how many vaccines these children are getting from the time before their immune system is even set. I don't understand the science behind giving an infant, a newborn, vaccines basically as soon as they're on the earth. Their immune system isn't even set yet. What kind of response can you expect to get? And they should still be protected, well, if you're breastfeeding anyway, by the mother's antibody. So what's the rush to start the immunization process before the child is even really immunocompetent or able to fight infections on their own well. Does it make well, sense? Just to reiterate that, the child has no immune system for the first few weeks of life. They are entirely working on, the, working with the immune system that their mother's blood cells deposited in them. They don't have their own native immune system up and running. And there were some nurses who were on record saying the only reason we give these children vaccines in the hospital is because we know that if we don't give the child a vaccine in the hospital, the mother won't come back for the next vaccine later. Oh. We have to catch them now. And they know, they admit that the vaccines do no benefit to the newborn. 
That's a scientifically proven fact. The child has no immune system to really remember the whole training process. It's all maternal antibodies, mm -hmm. but they do it anyway, and they intoxicate these kids at birth. Now, we don't have to spend the whole session on vaccines. It's just one of a of a number of many uh, worrisome patterns, but I just want to say that for those who are shocked by this or maybe who are defensive about this, this the discussion should really be a scientific discussion. And I'm confident that if any vaccinologist wants to debate with any smart anti-vax scientist, it would be a debacle because the vaccinologists have no significant science, really. Their products have not been proven to be safe. And they're, in my opinion, uh, underwriting, under, undermining the health of our youth today. Well, I think that gives us a good way to segue into what you are offering and how the integrative and holistic and cellular approach is different. We're not talking anymore. I mean, when you talk about that style of medicine, it's not treating the symptom. It's actually correcting the problem. And I think inflammation is one of the major underpinnings of disease. It's of cancer, of pain of a lot of things. And if we could somehow not need a steroid to suppress it, but actually have the body do what it, what, what it wants to do naturally to correct itself, isn't that a much better way of thinking about it and trying to go down that path? It would give people an alternative to things like these crazy opioids and everything else that we're taking, which is not helping us. Well, I think it's a much smarter way to go. We have to, we have to just put on some common sense for a minute. When someone is healthy. It's not because they're taking enough medications to not have a problem. Health is the absence of needing any medications. And the concept is when somebody is taking a medication, it's interfering with natural healing processes. It's an anti-inflammatory drug, for example, is different from an anti-inflammatory food. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't get side effects from anti-inflammatory foods, but a drug is kind of a distillate. It has a mechanism of action, and it usually poisons an enzyme system. Drugs always come with side effects, but foods don't. And we, we have, for the last 10 years, or seven years at this point, I've been focusing on anti-inflammatory foods, and in particular, anti-inflammatory seeds. Now, what is interesting about the seed? Well, I learned, and I didn't know this, they didn't teach this in medical school, the seed of every plant is the priority of the plant. The plant puts as much energy as required into making those seeds formed and laminated and ready to go out and reproduce the plant. It's the fundamental urge of the plant is to reproduce itself. So it uses the seed. It invests a lot in the making of the seed, including the seed. And this is the, this is the most important message about seeds. All seeds concentrate nutrients like selenium and chromium and zinc and magnesium and so forth approximately 20 times more than the flesh of the fruit or the vegetable. That means if you if you and I were, were uh, eating, you know, a zucchini, and I was able to get the seeds, Elena, and you just ate the flesh of the zucchini, mm -hmm. I would have 20 times the nutrients from that meal that you would. You would have more calories. You would have eaten the starch and the sugar. You'd be more full, perhaps. But in terms of nourishing myself, and this is very important for people who are sick, because anyone who's sick for any reason would do better if they're well-nourished. The seed feeds you 20 times the nutrients as the flesh of the fruit of the vegetable. And the husk of the seed, the husk, that um, indigestible part, is where most of the minerals are. So you want to eat the whole crushed seed. You don't want extracted seed oils. They're good, but they're not as good because they go rancid. But when you're eating the seed, you're eating the treasure chest of nature. You're eating the VIP lounge of nature. You're getting the best food that nature has to offer. And we have a product which is made from anti-inflammatory seeds, the most powerful anti-inflammatory seed, much more powerful than curcumin or turmeric, is the black cumin, C-U-M-I-N, the black cumin seed. And we have a synergistic formula. In fact, um, they can get it at your, at your website. I'd like to maybe invite people to try this. It comes with a money-back guarantee from the company. They would go to my Rain, R-A-I-N, MyRainLife.com forward slash living in the solution. This is an e-commerce site um, where people can buy, buy seed products, organic, non-GMO, whole crushed seed products. We have an anti-inflammatory product called Soul, which has got the black raspberry, the Chardonnay grape, and the 
black cumin seed. And we have a detoxifying product called Core, which has the milk thistle seed and the cranberry seed and the black cumin seed. That detoxifies the liver and the kidneys. And it also has greens like aloe vera and chlorophyll and spirulina and kale and dandelion and so forth. If people want to look at what I consider to be the best quality food in the world, it's eating the seed. And you can get those information about the products at myrainlife.com forward slash living in the solution. Now, you don't have to buy these products, but I would recommend that you please eat organic food, non-GMO organic food, and then whatever you're eating, whether it's lemons or papayas or anything else, save the seeds. Do not throw them away. Then, very simply, put those organic seeds in a glass jar in the freezer. Now, why would you put them in the freezer? You put them in the freezer because when you take out a few tablespoons of tablespoons of these frozen seeds, then you can put the frozen seed in the secondhand coffee grinder, and those seeds will grind into a very, very fine powder. If you just take regular seeds, like lemon seeds from your lemonade, and put them in a grinder, it'll be a gooey mess. You want to annihilate the seeds into a fine powder so even the husks are digestible. The take-home message for a lot of the people I work with around the world is eat the seed. Eat the seed. It's the treasure chest of nature. It's the most nutrient-dense part of the food. And when you're eating the seed, you're eating the best that nature has to offer. But it has to be organic. Please, everybody, do not miss this point. All living organisms concentrate toxins in their fatty cells. So the belly of the tuna, for example, has mercury. When human beings lose weight fast, they often release stored toxins like DDT or pesticides or herbicides. And they'll feel worse because they're liberating toxins from fat tissue into the blood system. We use fat as kind of a deep freeze to store toxins, mercury and so forth. Now, the seed is the fatty acid metabolism of the plant. There's no oils anywhere else in the plant for the most part. It concentrates in the seeds. So if you're eating non-organic, if you're eating GMO seeds, you're eating the worst that the plant has to offer. It's the most toxic waste dump if it's a non-organic. But if it's organic, it's the same thing, um, Elena, with the liver. You know, mm-hmm. organic liver is very beneficial, but if you're not eating organic liver, it's where all the chemicals are deposited. I'll avoid it. So organic seeds, the convenient way is to go to Elena's website, myrainlife.com forward slash living in the solution and look for soul and core. You can get those. A box of each comes with a money back guarantee. And um, Or if you don't want to do that, just remember that if you're eating organic, save the almonds. Say, I'm sorry, not the almond, save the avocado pit. That's tremendously nutrient-dense. We, we put our avocado pits into the Vitamix with our smoothies, and it's fabulous. The avocado pit is the most nutrient-dense part of the avocado. Save your lemon and your orange seeds. Save your papaya seeds. Save all the seeds, freeze them, and then grind them up. We find um, cancer, for example, cancer spreads by inflammation. That's the fundamental law that everyone with cancer has to understand. Cancer spreads by inflammation. If you can shut down the inflammation, you can shut down the cancer. That's why today oncologists are moving away from chemo and radiation towards immunotherapy and anti-inflammatories. Celebrex, for example, is an anti-inflammatory drug for arthritis. It's being used in cancer Mm. because doctors are learning that they need to shut down the inflammation if they want to get ahead of the cancer. Well, we do that with this product, Soul, which is the most powerful anti-inflammatory seeds, no side effects. But like you mentioned in the beginning about degenerative illnesses, all degenerative illnesses, whether it's cardiac or cancer, diabetes, all the heart diseases, strokes, uh, obesity, it's actually called diabetes, right? It's obesity is made by inflammation. Mm-hmm. Even aging itself is considered a side effect of the inflammatory process. Aging is inflammation. Inflammaging, they actually call it. So all chronic illnesses, asthma, bronchitis, Crohn's disease, diabetes, eczema, fibromyalgia, I'm going down the alphabet, you can go all the way to zits, they're Mm -hmm. all driven by inflammation. So anti-inflammatory foods are the answer. A lot of them are out there. You guys know them, onions, garlic, turmeric, good green leafy vegetables, plenty of good quality water. All of these are anti-inflammatory, but the anti-inflammatory seeds are the most powerful remedies we have. On that note, let's take a break. Our last break, you're listening to Medicine on Call.
You're listening to Medicine on Call, the place where healthcare, business, and current events connect. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. That last segment was, uh, it should have been an eye-opening experience for the listeners. I actually, as I said at the beginning of the show, met Dr. Weeks at a conference, and I tried some of the the Soul and the Rain product. And I have knee pain on, on occasion, and I tried it for, I bought a box, tried it for that couple of weeks, so a month, and I felt amazing. And what I... I like to be healthy, obviously, and I was juicing and I was spending a lot of money and a lot of time making sure that I could get my nutrients by juicing. And I found that one, the vegetables and the fruits basically were, they went out of, yeah, they expired. They, they, I threw out more than I was able to juice, number one. And I had a friend who juiced a lot more fruit than vegetables and her sugar went up. And it was an eye-opening experience. So you really have to be careful when you juice because you can literally be injecting sugar into your system. And the thing about the seeds where you were getting the actual nutrients you, without the calories, you could take it on when you traveled. You didn't have to worry about, I'm in a different country, I have to stop doing what I'm doing. It was just so convenient. That's one of the things, one of the reasons among many that I wanted to have you on the show, because I wanted to share that experience with my listeners. Well, this has revolutionized my ability to help people, because... You know, we're all human beings, and we're all creatures of of convenience. And there are people who actually do what I say and save their seeds and grind them every day and so forth. That's labor-intensive. It's very beneficial, relatively inexpensive, but it takes effort. And a lot of people don't have the willpower to sustain the effort that's required. Mm -hmm. It's very convenient to open up a two-ounce liquid packet, rip and sip, you can take it through TSA. You can travel with it. If you're going away for a weekend, you just take six of each. You know, it's very, very simple, and it's highly beneficial. And what's unique, I can tell you that seed nutrition has transformed the way I can help people because we get results quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, remember, the seeds are omega-6 fatty acids, not omega-3, mostly omega-6. They have been demonized in our culture because all of the research would show that vegetable oils are bad for you, you know, canola oil or something, Crisco or something, all of the research shows are bad, were done on already rancid oils. Hmm. But if you work with non-adulterated, non-rancid seed oils, you're getting the most anti-inflammatory oils on earth. So if anyone is questioning about the role of omega-6 and 3, I can be more information, give more information. But we wanted to say that these oils also go through the skin. Seed oils go through the skin. So we have countless examples of people with chronic pain syndromes. They get this box of soul at, you know, myrainlife.com, living in the solution. They can use that for a month. If they're not happy, the company will refund them their money minus the shipping. So there's no risk to trying these amazing seed products orally and topically. We have people with migraines that rub it on the migraine and it goes away. And remember, when you have a powerful anti-inflammatory food, since all chronic degenerative illnesses are made worse by inflammation, you will be able to safely get off or taper down from the medications you're taking. That's what's remarkable about a good healing diet, is the medications become redundant and obsolete. And that's circling back to our initial conversations. Most doctors are simply giving you the remedies they were told work. And those are being told to them by drug companies. Drug companies are responsible for paying for a lot of the medical doctor's tuition in medical school, and they give you the answers. If you have this problem, the answer is a drug. The answer is an expensive, synthetic, patented drug. Well, folks, come on. That just defies common sense. If you have a problem, try to fix the problem. I used to give an example of the average person would go into the doctor and say, "When when I sit down, I have a pain. Well, the doctor would say, well, Take a pain medication rather than asking, let's look at the chair. Maybe there's a tack in it. Let's remove the tack, and then let's see if we can address the cause of the problem. It's kind of a silly example, but there's a knee-jerk, economically motivated effort on the part of the doctor to just find a drug, prescribe a drug. 
rather than take the effort to sleuth the problem and find a solution. And that's where it's really exciting. And once you find the cause of the problem, which is often treatable, it's less expensive to change your diet and lifestyle and really get to the cause of the problem. That's where the excitement is. People can get free from their illnesses and free of their medications and free of the medications they're taking for the side effects of the first medications. I love that. I mean, that's why we do what we do, is to actually help people. I mean, there's not many things that you can say these days in terms of standard medicine that you're actually helping someone and curing them, so to speak, where they're not going to be on something every day for the rest of their lives. That's what people, I think, are really waking up to. And I think this is a timely conversation that we're having because the people who come to see me in my office don't want to take something every day for the rest of their lives. They want to fix the problem, and that's what my office actually has always done. I'm now actually try, starting to highlight that. This, to me, is a, is a way, another tool that I have in my, my, my bag of, uh, of what I do to help people, to actually help them. And it's reasonable. I think if you look at the cost of the actual treatment using one of the products, it's fraction compared to what you're going to spend a week to do juicing. And you're not even sure you're getting organic anymore. I don't know. I mean, you have cross-reaction. You have all sorts of stuff. They have labeling that's questionable. Now you don't have to worry about it. Just, like you said, tear it and go. And yeah. it tastes great. I have to say, I've not had any problem with the taste of it. It's, it's actually really very nice. So people need to think about finding a different way to, to approach the situation. I think that's key. Well, I, I applaud you for getting on the air and speaking your truth with love and sharing your knowledge and information with people. I think your listeners are lucky to have you do this offering. And you and I, you know, we, we just offer the best of what we know. And tomorrow we could change our minds. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a live and learn process. But I think if you work with the principles of health, if you understand that all chronic degenerative illnesses are driven by inflammation, that's a hint. Let's eat an anti-inflammatory diet. And people can go to weeksmd.com, W-E-E-K-S-M-D, like 52 weeks in the year and then MD, weeksmd.com. And they can type in inflammatory diet and see what I have to say on that. Or they can type in information about vaccines or they can type in information about seeds or black cumin. But it's all about co-learning. I think that, Elena, you and I are happy to be in the generation of doctors where we don't hide behind a white coat and profess infinite knowledge. We're no. learning with our patients. Exactly. Our patients, My patients teach me a lot. I am tremendously grateful by patients coming in and saying, look, I just saw this in the New England Journal of Medicine yesterday, and it has to do with my case. And we're, we're studying it together, and we're, we're learning together. You know, it's, it's about applying principles of health and not simply saying, well, this is the drug we use for this ailment. It's good to use that sometimes, but that should be a temporary stop on the journey towards health. I can't agree with more with you more. It's not a one-size-fits-all phenomenon. You need to look at the individual and craft the treatment to what the individual patient needs. Now, you talked about soul and core, but there are more products that you make. I see that there's um, also protein powder, correct, and a, also a drink as well, aren't there? You know, the protein powder is seed powder. It's wonderful. It's made from powerful seeds full of protein, so it's very bioavailable, full of branched-chain amino acids, chocolate or vanilla. It's a delicious protein powder. If anybody's tried protein powders, they taste terribly. Mm -hmm. We have a product with curcumin and B vitamins, which is called Bend for Joints. We've got the world's best money-back guaranteed skin care system called Reverie. We have people who spend five and six and eight hundred dollars a month on their skincare stuff they quit all that expensive stuff and just take this much less expensive much more powerful beauty enhancing skincare product called Reverie. so we're, we're the seed-based company and when you eat the seeds that's the that's the revolution in nutrition if you can just nourish yourself nourish your skin nourish your joints help detox using the power of these seeds which are you know that's the source of life how can you go wrong with a seed-based product I couldn't agree more. I mean, the time just goes so fast. I I think we just scratched the surface of what you're doing. I'd love to have you come back so we can talk in more detail. But I can I can tell you I've tried these products, and the Reverie was awesome. My skin felt amazing. And there was no drugs, no parabens, nothing toxic within it. And it really was a fraction of what you spend 
in these high-end, you know, stores where they just ply your skin and your body with chemicals and tell you you should like it. We need to become more informed consumers, health consumers, because in this situation, in this healthcare system that we're living in, you do not want to get sick. And in order to do that, you have to take control of your health. Dr. Weeks, you, you're providing a solution. I love my show because it's all about giving people choices and answers about how do you do something different. You're actually doing it. I'm so happy to be involved with you, with you, and I respect you greatly, and I'm so happy that you were able to come on the show today. Well, I appreciate it because, you know, we all are changing the world one diaper at a time by helping the people that come to us. So you're giving me a chance to make some new friends and say hello to people all over the country listening to your show. And if there's anything here which threatens them or worries them, remember just to think scientifically and, and go examine things at weeksmd.com or get your questions answered. Um, the role of the physician, remember a medical doctor is comes from the Latin ducere, meaning to lead or teach. The doctor is a teacher, and we can teach what we know and we can learn with you, but it's incumbent upon us to sit through the options and give you the things which are the greatest benefit and the least side effect. I think you started the show Lena, by talking about doing no harm. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the heck that got lost along the way, but physicians do so much harm now, and it's not necessary. Well, I'm glad we're part of that solution. In the seconds that we have, how can people, again, reach you and get to um, your information? Well, it's kind of a boring email. It's just MD, for medical doctor, at lastnameweeksmd.com. So MD at weeksmd.com. And I put a lot of information up on my website, which is weeksmd.com. You can search health topics there. But I'd be well. I'd be. I'd welcome any questions, especially from people who disagree with me. That's how I learn. That's when you have seen you're sitting in the right in the right um, mindset of knowledge. Questions are not. They're not something you're afraid of to, to answer, and it's not like an attack. It's actually welcomed. I love that you said that. If more people would think that way, I think we'd have a better world. Once again, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate your time, and I look forward to having you back on again. I'll look forward to that as well, and, and take care, and Happy New Year to all. Thank you, and thank you for uh, listening to Medicine on Call. Join me on Facebook and Twitter and Spotify, etc. Catch you next week. Thank you. Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.